Welcome to Grief is My Side Hustle. My name is Megan Reardon Jarvis. I'm your host as always. And today I have the distinct pleasure to have with me Dr. Julie Shaw. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And I'm excited to start our conversation. So I want to read people a little bit about your bio, and then we're going to jump right in and learn all about who you are and what you do. Dr. Julie is a change agent whose passion lies in personal development, leadership development, and transition. Dr. Shaw comes from the world of athletics, having been a collegiate women's basketball coach for close to 15 years, helping lead teams to multiple championships in the NCAA Sweet 16. Oh my God, how cool is that? After her work with Billie Jean King as her director of education, Shaw co-founded Lead Different Consulting, where she now works with teams from small businesses to global companies. Dr. Shaw has devoted her time and expertise to the field of diversity and inclusion, starting with earning her doctorate in leadership administration, focusing on creating safe space climates on college campuses. She's also been an advocate for the LBGTQ community, women's equality, and social justice. After the loss of her sister in 2020, Dr. Shaw became a certified grief educator and studied under the renowned grief specialist, my friend, David Kessler. She has dedicated her time to help others as the founder of Hello, I'm Grieving, a grief awareness brand and community geared towards grief awareness, visibility, and education. Combining her gifts of speaking and teaching, Dr. Shaw helps leaders and organizations become more grief-informed, empathetic leaders facilitating trainings on grief education. Dr. Shaw's vision is to build a global community of diverse people connected through grief by offering creative, engaging events that are centered around building a safe space for grievers to heal and continue living on. I don't usually read somebody's entire bio, <laughs> but I love your bio. I just feel like it is such, uh, it just takes us through the arc of, I think, often the eclectic ways in which we find ourselves in the world where we're talking about grief and loss. And the question that I always ask my guests is, how do you find yourself here in this position where grief and loss is a little bit your work and a little bit your life? Yeah, it's a great question. And even how I find myself here, I think anybody who's grieving understands that the grief will find you. And so when it finds you, you kind of enter a crossroads where you ask yourself, what am I going to do with this grief now? And I've found myself or the grief has found me, as mentioned in my bio, when my sister died in February, 2020. And that was definitely something that in hindsight, we did know that she would live a shorter life. She passed away from lupus, which is an autoimmune deficiency. And, uh, but it's still one of those things is you never know when it's going to happen, right? These are the sayings that, that we've all heard, whether it was a quick death or whether it was a long death. And so that is when grief first found me and what was happening along the way as my sister was going through her illness is that I had started my fertility journey and grief has continued to find me on that journey with experiencing my own losses as I've been trying to conceive with my wife. There is some happy news and joyous news as we will be expecting here in about three weeks. So my wife, yeah, so my wife is carrying but still, those are one of those things that I'm sure we'll talk about or people can experience is understanding how you can have a really great, happy moment 
However, there can still have that underlying grief there to where she, she has her story. I have my story as we've gone on this fertility journey. And then we have a story to together. Yeah. And I think as we're, as the grief is finding us, as we're finding the grief where we find ourselves now. And usually when we tell our stories, we kind of do tell those sad pieces. However, I always encourage people not to get stuck in that story because sometimes we can get stuck there and we can say, this is our story and that's it. And so I'm at the point where I want to create a different story that also includes my grief. Thank you so much for sharing both of those pieces. I'm so sorry about the death of your sister and I'm clocking the timeline there, which sounds like that was just before COVID really began. Yeah. So I have some questions about what that was like to be grieving during COVID Mm. because my sense is people were not able to reach out for connection Mm -hmm. in the same way. And you're also talking about the anticipatory loss, right? When you have someone who has a chronic health condition that was going to shorten their life, Part of what you do, which all grievers will understand, because whether you did this beforehand, you certainly do it after you've suffered significant loss as you look at your loved one and think, what would I do if I lost you? How would I survive? And people who have not been through significant loss, and I think about this a lot because I I suffered multiple miscarriages when before the birth of my daughter, who's now 14, I was lucky to have three healthy babies, but multiple miscarriages in between. And I had friends who were pregnant at the same time. They were blissfully pregnant. Mm. And I was bittersweet pregnant. We talk about bittersweet as Mm -hmm. not just the plant, this gorgeous and sort of toxic plant, (laughs) but also just the concept that what it means when you are grieving is that Hollywood version of just bliss and joy at your high school graduation, at your wedding, at your child's birth, at your, that that's not really available to you. That really you have that and you miss your sister. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I'm glad you put that together, right? Because it's, some people don't even see that extra layer. That anticipatory grief was real. And I didn't know that's what I was experiencing. I think as I went through my grief certification, That is one of the biggest things that has stuck with me that has given me some peace to know, oh, I was actually grieving beforehand. And that's why I couldn't really be completely present in those moments with my sister. It's helped me to reconcile that. And then also now with the fertility journey, because my sister was my absolutely favorite person and is, and those are words that I struggle with still today, like was, is, and she was the person that I would go to for everything. And so as I'm going through this other journey in my life, now that person is not there for me to talk to. Yes, there are times when I talk to her out loud in the house, but it's not the same. It's not the same. And that's real. So when, when I do want to cry, when, when it wasn't a successful pregnancy, when that happens again, and as you're talking about miscarriages and just the process of IVF can be so taxing on your body and not being able to have that person there, that can be another reoccurrence of the grief coming up and also tells you again, I miss her so much Yeah, and just wanting her to be here. IVF as a journey has so much grief in it, 
right? It's like this onion skin that just never stops peeling back because there's the grief of the fact that it's not an option to get pregnant the way that other people get. Correct. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the basic one. And you can be carrying that around your whole life. Oh. So just the knowing of that, right. And then there's the things that happen, which is the doctor gave us this news at 10 20 mm-hmm. on a Tuesday. And now I've got to go give a speech. Yes. Or, that's very real. Right. Or my wife real. is having some weird cramping and like, yes. I don't know what that means. And we can't get into the doctor. And that when you've experienced loss, the anxiety can just explode like a rocket. Mm-hmm. And the other word that I think is useful, disenfranchised grief, right? Mm-hmm. Like the idea that we don't really get this validated. I don't yeah. have a broken arm. And so when I show up to my speech, the person is, wow, are you okay? I can't believe you're even here today. This must be so hard for you. Or Actually, even being able to tell them, right? To feel safe right. enough to tell them. And I think that's why even with me building this community with Hello, I'm Grieving is that's what's worked for me. That's what's worked for me is having a community, having a group, being able to be with people who understand you. They might not know exactly what you've gone through, but they can empathize at a whole different level than others can. And in my IVF journey, I did make a friend that that has stuck with me to this day that she validated my miscarriages, right? Like it was the first time that somebody had said, Julie, like you had miscarriages. And it's one of those things where when you think of how you're doing it through IVF and you're creating the embryos, getting the transfers, you kind of invalidate yourself that that's a loss. And you do get those phone calls. And it's, I think even how I processed it was completely different than with my sisters, right? Mm -hmm. Is that I got the phone call like many of us do. And they tell you it wasn't a viable pregnancy. And then you cry and I cried and probably screamed, but then I felt as if I needed to be done with it the next day. And that's not healthy. And that's something that I learned versus my sister's I knew that, yeah, this is going to take time and this is going to be a process versus with the IVF journey. I just, I felt like nobody would validate it. And I also think in David's class, I actually asked the question in the chat box one day when people were talking about different types of grief or what you can grieve. And I was kind of scared and nervous too, but I put it in there and I said, can you grieve embryos? And because we were in the process of, you harvest your eggs and then you create embryos, but that it isn't as simple because many of those embryos might not even survive that, make it to a implantation. And so even when I lost embryos during the process, which was hard enough as it is to get them, I was like, can you, is that allowable? (laughs) Asking for permission. And I think for a lot of the different types of grief that we experience, sometimes people don't know. They just don't know. Like, yeah, you can grieve that. And your grief is valid and being able to acknowledge that out loud, right? Because essentially grief is the emotional reaction to loss. Mm -hmm. I've worked with people who the the loss that they're talking about is something that they're choosing that actually is good for their, they're leaving a job and they're moving to another country, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that there isn't grief associated with the process, the loss of those things. And 
I really hear what you're saying, which is when you are in that state of confusion around what is it that you're feeling and what is safe to feel, right? There are a lot of people who say what you said, which is I didn't let myself feel that. And then there can be some energy around that. And because I work as a trauma therapist, I just remind people that like, we have wisdom about how much we can handle at what time. Mm. Now, you can't go your whole life without any kind of grief, without any, doing any grieving because it, it it's energy that we hold in our body and it will make us sick. It oh, will, you feel it. You feel yeah, it. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. yeah. When I was hearing you talk about the difficult journey of pregnancy and embryos and fertility and knowing that your sister was your person. Yeah that I can feel that, right? Like it's the loss and then it's the loss. It's the, yeah. it's the secondary it's loss. And building the on top loss. of each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think those are the kinds of things that sometimes like when, when my mom's been dead three and a half years and sometimes I have to, I'll say it out loud. Yeah. Well, this is hard. And it's also hard because I can't call my mom. Correct. And people will be like, shit, I didn't even think about that. Like I'm used to your mom not being here. You're never not going to want her around for these things. Yeah. And for me, what actually hurts worse is when stuff happens that she would have loved, that would have brought her great joy, that would have made her, my mom had an incredible sense of humor and something very funny that would have made her laugh really Mm -hmm. hard. I just miss her life for her. Yeah. I I just, that's a a good, that's a good phrase, right? It's, I think I'm in the midst of that right now, especially with the babies due in three weeks. And I know that she's, she wanted me to have a baby and she would make jokes about, and that's, what's been hard too, is because she would make jokes about, oh gosh, like, I can't wait till you're pregnant. Cause you, you'll finally like blow up and get big and stuff. Cause I've been pretty thin my whole life. <laughs> I've been an athlete and, yeah. and all that. And so we would make jokes about that and she would be the best aunt. That's the thing too. And I think even the life moments, I think about how that also impacts other people because I have a niece and nephew and my niece is going to be getting married here soon in December. So I have all these big life moments coming up. And so even being able to support her in that and support the family and make sure that her presence is there. Those are the things that she, she would absolutely want to be there for. Yeah. So then you all end up missing her, but then there's also the like, God, she would have loved the version of a life where she got to be at this thing. Mm -hmm. Your sister died in February of 2020, Mm -hmm. which means a month later you are. Yeah. Yeah. How, how, how was your experience and your process? What was hard? What was different? Yeah. I think One, I always call this out is I understand the privilege that I have, that I was able to one, be in the hospital with my sister and two, be able to have a celebration of life and funeral for her and have people be there because I saw the impact that it had on people that were not able to have those moments. Yeah. Uh, so I always recognize the privilege that I have in that being able to be with her. So I always like to call that out and acknowledge it. But I think even looking back at it, that is where I was left to myself. Yeah. And maybe people 
didn't know how to help in those moments because we were all going through such a global pandemic at the time and people were all dealing with their own things. And I'm lucky I have a really great supportive wife um, that was there, even though grief can impact relationships. And there were definitely times when I was like, you are not helping me right now, (laughs) even with your best intentions. I'm able to look back at that now and understand it was good intent. I think that is where I did lean into that social media aspect, because I think I had heard on another podcast where someone had recommended for you to process your emotions if you want to use social media. And I like social media to where if you want to just start your own page, don't tell anybody about it. And for me, something that stopped was my journaling. I actually used to write and used to journal. Mm. When my sister died, I couldn't do it. There, There was a really major block that was surprising to me that I just couldn't do it. And I know that it's rooted in if I wrote it down, it would be real. Yeah. And I would have to face it and it's hard facing it. So I, when I was walking down the street one day in my head, I don't know if I just said, hello, I'm grieving just to own it, just to own it and be like, Julie, you are grieving and accept mm-hmm. it. And so I just started a page. And for me that I, it has come my way of journaling and it has become my way of expression. So when we're talking about grief is my side hustle is like, that's what it became. And I didn't really tell anybody what I was working on. And somewhere down the line, I started getting comments from people or people sending me messages and that was motivating and that was supportive. And then it turned into something new and continuing to grow it and continuing to support other people and feel that support that because in that pandemic, right, is you feel really alone on top of that. Now you're grieving and you feel alone with that. So I think that's how people have been able to utilize mediums like social media as well to, to make those connections. It is sort of social media at its best. I think we can all harsh on social media and be like, oh, well, it's just people showing you their bright, shiny parts of their life. But mm-hmm. that's not what my social media, my social media is feeding me like you know, every grief account that there is. Yeah. Out there. It doesn't happen every day, but I do think the idea of being able to have it mirrored back to you, that your experience matters, that it resonates, that it makes sense to other people, that other people are also in that or have been in that. I think social media offers us, it certainly did during the pandemic, a really critical way of being validated when you couldn't go on a walk with someone and talk to them. And I appreciate what you said about your partner, because I think (laughs) at least for me, when I was grieving, I wasn't the best to the people that were closest to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't I'm still not sometimes. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, if my (laughs) husband were here right now, my kids were here right now, they'd be like, mom's mean sometimes. It's important for me to be true to my emotional experience. And because I have a trauma history, I'm not always the best at titrating that appropriately. So sometimes there's the fire hose version of me. I want to say this just for our listeners, because this comes up a lot and I get a lot of DMs about this. Mm -hmm. What Julie and I are talking about right now is the way in which we pursued sort of the physical and emotional process of grieving. And what you just described is the opposite of mine. I never used to write and I couldn't stop Mm -hmm. writing when my mom died. And I still write pretty much every single day. This part of me grew Mm -hmm. that it's not that it came out of nowhere. It really was the way in which my grief led me yeah. To become a griever, right? Other people I know hiked mountains. Other people started cooking. Other people, they're gardening or they're 
exercising, I just think that there is an energy that has to move around. Yeah. It has to get out. Yeah. And that, and that I do think it needs to be validated. You do not need to turn your tragedy into something that betters the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that was never my intention. My intention was to feel less crazy and it really helped me. And honestly, the things that people have watched me create, I feel like it's important to say, this is me grieving. Yeah. I love still that. me grieving. Yeah. It's still, this conversation is me grieving. Yeah. I like that too, because I feel like we're the same in that aspect, right? I feel like I am letting this grief grow me and, right. take, and take me where it wants to take me. Now I understand, and some people have used this analogy is you could take a ride in your car with grief, but as long as it's not in the driver's seat, right? So I know it's going to be with me. So let's have a ride. Let's go take this ride together. However, I want to be driving this car. And so being able to do that, it has led me into some amazing experiences. And I think each time I allowed myself to say, okay, where's this grief going to take me or what, how can I grow from this? Then that is exactly what you're saying is that's how I've been grieving. And I think sometimes people expect this grief to present in a certain distinct way. And I'm okay with people being like, are you grieving? Like that doesn't look like grief or I wouldn't do it that way. Or how come you're not crying or, or this and that, because I feel like I've made this commitment to grieve how I want to grieve, to express it how I want to express it and be authentic and honest in it. And then also have some fun along the way. I don't, like I said, I don't want to be stuck in my story. That story is a part of who I am. However, it's not who I am in my entirety. And that can be hard for people that are still in those very early stages of grief to see. And it is going to be different for everyone. I mean, it was hard for me to see that in those first stages. However, there was something inside of me that told me I did not want to be stuck in this frame of mind forever and that I had to do something and that it was on me to be able to figure that out. And so as people who are listening, you're going to figure out a different way. I'm always the type of person to encourage you to try something, to try something whether it's something you've never tried before or that maybe sure somebody's recommended and you might be a little bit apprehensive, you can try it once. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. And you might stumble across something else that you never thought would work because I have tried some pretty cool things and it makes me even more open to now try others. And I'm like, wow, how can I now look at this grief And also it's working through my sister, right? That my sister has now continued to give to me in a way and my experiences Mm. with infertility have been able to pour into me in a certain way that now I can continue living a life that, yeah, I didn't imagine it to be this way, but it can still be good. Tell us what you've tried that surprised you. Uh, Okay. So I've never done breath work before. Ah, I love breath work. I had, but this breath work, it was a much different kind of breath work to where it was pretty intense. Like this you was get really, a little, you get a little stoned. It, you get, no, you, no, you feel that way. You feel yeah, that way. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's all. Okay. Cause I'm also open to trying that stuff too yeah, yeah. and processing, but it was a breath work where I guess maybe just to set the tone, the instructor was like, 
you're going to feel like you're going to lose your life right now. You're going to feel like you're going to go on this journey. You're going to, if you need to throw up, raise your hand. We have buckets here for you. And there were just multiple people in this, just one big room. People were screaming, were yelling, were crying. It's almost like it was this big adult like temper tantrum where as you're talking about the energy and that's what he was talking about too is how the energy is in your body and I knew it was there and I felt it was there and I needed to process it and for me a big incentive and motivation for me to process this is because I am going to be a mother and I did not want to carry this trauma I did not want to carry those emotions to our child and Mm -hmm. I wanted to be the best mother I could be so for me to scream and yell and cry and hit the ground and not care about who's seeing or hearing what I'm saying and doing this in community, it was so releasing. And oh, it sounds amazing. Yeah. And then that sounds and, amazing. Yeah. And then another thing I did, I've taken solo trips. You know, solo trips are really great. I did that for the anniversary of my sister's death in the first year. So I, I took a trip that I thought that she would enjoy. And then I did that. And that was great. I was a little bit nervous. At the end, I almost chickened out and almost invited my wife to come with me. Yeah. But I said, no, like you were, you wanted to be intentional. And if it, and being a sports person, we always preach, get outside your comfort zone because yeah. outside of your comfort zone is where you're truly going to grow yeah. and follow what scares you. So I knew it made me nervous enough to where I'm like, okay, you need to do it by yourself. So I did that. And then my most recent thing that I did, I went to Burning Man. And so a lot of people have different stereotypes about Burning Man, but I went to Burning Man intentionally because I my friend had been going for years. Yeah. He talked about how such a great experience it was, but then also understanding that Burning Man, it was also established to honor the dead. That's right. And, and I was like, I'm there. If it's there to honor the dead, I'm there. They have an amazing temple there. All the artwork that they build, it's something that can't be described here on one podcast. So I recommend people Google and do your research yeah. on it, but it is an experience where you're completely out of any norm. You feel like you're on another planet and that's a good thing. It's been the most non-judgmental welcoming place I've ever been that I've, that I've ever been. And the humanity that people share, the really heart centered hugs that you get, you feel the energy between that chest to chest, like really heartfelt Mm -hmm. embrace and walking into that temple even before you get into it, you feel the energy and they honor, people can bring tokens of their loved ones. People build things to bring and place into the temple. People bring clothing items. I wasn't prepared. I brought pictures, but that was still great. I brought, I was like, okay, people hang their pictures up, but people built homages to their loved ones. And people also grieve the anger and they even ask for forgiveness. And at the end of Burning Man, they burn the temple down and it was, probably one of the most beautiful experiences that I've had because people were so respectful, the quietness, you can feel again, the energy and respect, and even just watching the flames go up. You can just imagine how people's dreams, wishes, intentions are being sent up. And even just that type of ritual can be healing Mm. and can again be another way that you process. And then I also chose that day to go by myself. So that was another thing too, that I was like, okay, I should do this experience by myself so I could be present in it. 
So those are a few things that I Those are gorgeous. It's making me think a whole bunch of things. I want to say them quick before I forget them. One is I do think that grief is a solo activity Mm. that even I have five brothers and sisters. Everybody lost my parents, but we all lost a different relationship. And so I do think that there is something really honoring about doing pieces of your grief intentionally on your own, but also buoyed by having connection with other people. Cause I think it can feel really scary sometimes big as that room. And am I ever going to stop crying? Yeah, so I love yeah. that you're describing that. Also, most people that I work with are like, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. It's particularly around anniversaries. What should I do for the anniversary? It's going to feel how it feels. So if your desire is to keep the feelings away, that's not a reasonable desire. It's going to feel how it feels. And if you can imagine kind of like being in the ocean and going with the wave, what do you think the wave might look like? And I have this thing in my office, which is like a big poster board of all the things people have ever told me that they do. Mm -hmm. Because many people are like, I still have no idea. I don't know if I should go out to dinner. I don't know if I should play a concert. I don't know if I should go for a run. And so what I say is just, it's like those things on the internet, the first four words or how you're feeling or how your years, like, just look at, tell me any words that seem possible or make you feel curious because the thing that you're talking about, which God, it's, this is my favorite part of grief work Uh is that we have to pursue novelty because we are new now. There is no going back. We can't go back. We can yearn for that time and we can be in our memories, but you can't go back to the moment when your sister was still alive. Mm-hmm. And so we're in the after. Yeah. And that could be hard for people to just. Oh, especially say. early, especially yeah, in. Especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so hard. But in order to continue living, like the, de- the definition of trauma is sort of any bad thing that happens. The definition of traumatized is that your system is overwhelmed by by that bad thing and stays that way. Wow. Yeah. And so what that means is when someone is traumatized by grief, they are not doing new. They are mostly yearning for before. Yeah. Before I ask you about your work, because I really do want to hear about that. You have a really unique way of thinking and talking about the role of joy. Mm -hmm. and fun in grief. Can you talk to us about that? I just love it. Yeah, I do say grief is love because that's what, that was my reality, right? I understand for some people that might not be their reality depending on their relationship. That's right. Um, right. For me, it's like, even just grief is life. Like grief is going to happen to you in your life and grief is life. That might be my new saying. (laughs) So understanding now asking yourself a question is then if grief is life, what type of life do you want to live? Right. Because we are still here. And, And so that's something where, as you're talking about how I've integrated that joy and that fun into this, which I know can be very jarring to some people listening is that is, that is what has worked for me. And those are even two words that I've learned to use for me. So for me, even as I was creating my page and my community, and even like the clothing brand and the events that, that we're putting together is there was this part where I was like, oh gosh, if I start talking about fun and joy, like what will people think? And I had to stick to my, my foundation of being honest and authentic and this, and 
hopefully my vibe will attract my tribe, right? Like, yeah. Oh, I love that. That's great. Understanding. And I want to create a grief tribe that understands this vibe of like, that you can still live. You can still have these amazing experiences that you can still honor your loved one, that you can meet people in community and join with them and experience all these emotions because these emotions aren't binary, right? Like these emotions can integrate with another with each other they can create a whole other emotion that you didn't know even existed and and being able to bring people together in these events and bring people together in these community dialogues is going to show that we can still be ourselves it's a brand new self how are we going to get to know who that new self is and guess what you get to create that you get to be a part of that yeah. And what grief does, it really does change you because your whole world has changed. Yeah. So who are you not to change? And that's okay. And I absolutely have been changed because of it. It's not to say that, oh, I'm glad that I've gone through this fertility journey. I'm glad that my sister is dead. Absolutely not. Yeah. And sometimes I think that's what people think is like, how can you have this joy and have fun and even speak fun and grief in the same sentence? Yeah. But I just want people that, that want that, right? Because people are going to have different ways they're going to process, but I want to surround myself with people and invite people into this knowing that you can carry your grief with you and that you can explore, you can try new things and you can try them by yourself or with community mm-hmm. and you can have fun after loss. You, you can have joy after loss. I think the definition of traumatized is that life is less than after. And mm-hmm. I don't think your sister, my mother, any embryos, anyone's tragedy that, that what we're hoping for from that is a less than a less than life. That is certainly, that's not how I believe about my life. My mom was an unbelievable storyteller. She could tell the same story and did tell the story, same story <laughs> 50 or 60 times. And she would, she was one of those people who would start to laugh as she told the story. So even though you couldn't really hear what she was saying, you'd heard the story before. So you knew where you knew the punchline she was headed and she would giggle. And I, I mean, the I would laugh to the kind of laughter where you don't really breathe. I probably laugh like that with my siblings and my mom and not very many other people. And I met a friend who I've known over the internet, known collegially, but not met in person two weekends ago. And just from the very beginning, it was that kind of laughter. And I both felt like, oh my God, I can feel myself in my body in a way that I I haven't in a long time. And I felt this kind of grief of, God, I missed this self. I missed this way. Can you tell me about your platform? What has grown and the clothing line, the, the things that are, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. All so, the things that you've built. I would so love that, to. That kind of started too, because I kind of was thinking about how do I express myself? Exactly what you're talking about you earlier. Like, how do we get it out? How do we process it? And I'd like to consider myself creative. So I wanted, and it's also the type of person I am, like, there's something that I want to go after. I have a vision. I have a goal. It's probably the athlete in me as well. Like just being very driven and seeing something, seeing that vision come to life. And so with Hello, I'm Grieving and what a lot of entrepreneurs will say on like a lot of business books and podcasts is sometimes they like, what's an idea? Like when it sticks with you for a very long time. Yeah. 
even I think it might be Elizabeth Gilbert who has the book called Big Magic. Yeah, yeah, that's her. Yeah, where she talks about how like the universe will whisper to you. That's right. And it's like you can either listen or that idea will move on to to somewhere else. Another right? person. That's right. And I am so happy that this idea of hello, I'm grieving has stuck with me and it's chosen to stay with me. And I feel like the universe has been screaming at me to continue to create and continue to do. And so a part of that was how do I express this? And some people were like, I wish we had something to signal that I'm grieving. Right. And so I was like, well, there's plenty of shirts, different merchandise out there that people have created, but not so much for the grief space. (laughs) So I was just like, well, I'll be bold enough to just put it on there and just say, hello, I'm grieving on a shirt on, on different things. And uh, people have responded really well to that and they feel seen. And I also think it's a subtle way to acknowledge to people that may not know other people around them who are grieving that like, oh, okay. Right. You understand. And whether, and I love it because people will come up to me if they see me wearing something or one of my bags and they'll be like, oh, me too. Mm-hmm. Who, who did you lose or anything like that? Right. And, and we'll have really great conversations. Yeah. So it's a conversation starter. And then also, I guess gone are the days where people would simply just wear black to indicate. Yeah. That yeah. And that those were signals. And even there's different cultural signals. I know some people will shave their head in, in certain cultures to signify yeah. that there has been a loss or a death. And so I thought that this could be another way to do it. So that's kind of something I've, I've put out there. And then I started realizing, okay, as these reiterations come mm-hmm. and me finding myself in this whole process and what I want to create is then I started saying, I just, I love being in community. I tried individual therapy, which I still do on and off, but what really has worked for me is group therapy. Yeah. And so I loved having the group aspect of it. And I'm a social person and I like, again, having fun. And so I started doing grief hikes. So I put it out there too. So I did a grief hike and it was really great that to bring people together and to, and what I loved at the end of it is somebody did, somebody did say, I know this might be weird to say, but I actually had fun today. Yes. And I was like, yes, like my goal came true. This is possible. This is validating. And it really did. And it was awesome to see how people started out as strangers. Yeah. As you walk up that hill, which is also a metaphor for grief, right? Is like how we are walking up this hill and having conversations and then stopping along the way to have facilitated discussions to process Mm -hmm. uh, that also then made the vulnerability come through and people were able to truly connect. And there is something about being in nature and then also physically about moving our body. Also something I've taken from being an athlete, right? Is that's always been something for me to, to move through that grief. For some people just sitting and talking is too dysregulating. I think about teenagers a lot. Like you get your best conversation with a teenager when you're parallel to them, not facing Mm -hmm. them often when you're driving them to and from sports maybe, but, but also movement. And so I'm thinking about when I worked as a school social worker, most of my sessions were outside walking like to and from Safeway to get food or drink or something. Um, It it takes down the guard too, right? That's right. Especially yeah, if you're sitting really across a desk or even virtually, 
Uh, And so when you see them go up the hill and then they're going down the hill, exchanging phone numbers and they're laughing and they're, it was a completely different mood. And so that to me was like, this is what I want to do. And I think in the future is that whether it's different events, it won't always, I don't want it always to be the same whether I do love the dinner party. I think that their concept is really great. They are amazing. Yeah. I would love to, I would love to host a table. I took a fight class. That was another thing that I did to process my grief. Love it. Oh man. So I would love to facilitate a like workout or fight class. I would love to do that. And then also I'm tinkering with hosting retreats and being able to weave in my love for travel, and then being able to do retreats. Because in my day job as a consultant and leader, leadership development and DEI consultant is being able to transfer my skills into this space. And then I've been a professor, education is my jam. So it really is about how can I take all the skills and gifts that I have yeah. right now and transfer that into the grief space because I want it to be a grief wellness support, right? How can we integrate a grief wellness mentality into this grief community? Because because there's different ways. There's therapy, there's the journaling, there's all these different <coughs> So I just want to add that opportunity for other people that, that again, are in that state where they feel like they are ready to approach this. This might not be something for somebody who's really early on. That's something I also like to call out and and that, that I always want to be very specific that it is for folks that, Hey, like you are open to this. You are ready to say hello to your grief and Mm -hmm. and that you are ready and that you're, that you're open to these type of experiences because it could be very hard and challenging for someone who's very in that very acute grief in that beginning. Acute grief is really about just symptom regulation. It's like trying not to drown. Yeah. What happens a lot for me is people, they hear something terrible happen and then they call me and they're like, this person needs therapy immediately. Mm -hmm. And what that person needs is not to drown. Yeah. And therapy is treatments and thinking and all, most folks don't make it into a therapy room for months and months because they're trying not to drown. When fresh yeah. grief begins to abate and you have people who are trying to figure out how to carry it. Correct. That I love, I love everything that is group oriented because often what you just hear is a little bit of hope from someone who's a little bit further down the line. And we have to be beholden to that, right? Like, cause grief is just a natural process. It's a thing that we're all going to go through. And it seems that humans are wired for it, despite the fact that we don't talk a lot about it and it's completely terrible. We seem to survive it. And most of us survive it having learned something from it. So I'm not trying to make it into like, oh, grief is good for you. And we all love grief. <laughs> yeah. But I do, but I do think the ways in which we can listen to the whispers in your ear. I really love the way that you described that. And I love Elizabeth Gilbert's book. I the kind of woo-woo element for me is that I actually think those are elders or guides that are sort yeah. of yeah. You know, the goal is to turn this in, into a full time. Yeah. That's, that's one of my things. So I'll follow, I'll follow your lead and and get a podcast. Well, we'll, we'll just keep partnering up, but I really love these ideas of the retreats and the facilitated Mm -hmm. retreats. And I'm just thinking about all the things that you have done in your life, your years of coaching and your time spent grieving. And 
it means to be an athlete and who knows how to be in their body and how to stay connected to their body. All of that feels like, well, you, you absolutely are going to have a unique piece. When my dad died, I couldn't really read. When my mom died, I couldn't stop reading. Mm. And I would, any book, anybody recommended, I would order it off Amazon. My husband would be like, oh, there's another terrible death book. I have them all. I would read it. I would, I gave every book 80 pages. There were a number of books that got thrown across the room before 80 pages. Mm. And people would say, what books did you hate it? Like, it doesn't matter what book I hated. I'm not here to harsh on anything anyone is doing. And I needed to keep looking and I needed to keep looking. And then I found a few books that felt like church to me. The only thing that I feel really distinct about is if you, if you have a trauma history and your symptoms, and this happened to me, your trauma symptoms of grief, you're not sleeping, you're not eating, you can't think straight, your memory are getting worse and not better. You have to go see a trauma informed therapist. Everything else is fair game. If you tell me that acupuncture, breath work, playing basketball, pickleball, cooking, coloring, singing, every, I a hundred percent believe you. I believe that all of that is grief work. We can grieve in all the ways with all of the things that there isn't any kind of one way. But I imagine there are people who are listening that are like, I cannot wait until Dr. Julie puts that next hike on her on her website. Yeah, we're going to have fun. Yeah. I want to go wine tasting, have some grief wine tasting. Like, let's go do it. You you suggest it. I'm down to try it. And I think that's like the mentality that that I want to have. And to be able to show people that side of it to, cause, cause it, it can be life well lived and it is the people in our lives, like they, they have died, they have passed. It, it doesn't mean that it should be a life where we feel like we have died as well. There's going to be pieces of us. Yes, absolutely. And recognize that and honor that. But I just, I'm in this mode right now in my life in my, the season I'm in at where it's like, I want to encourage people to lean into their grief and discover what else is out there, what other life or what other things can they bring into their life that can help them again, seek that joy, seek that happiness while still carrying that, that grief and love for their loved one. Get so passionate about it. And it's like, I just want people to see this because again, maybe I haven't seen it yet, for myself. And so it is about creating what I envision for it and welcome people into it. And again, use my gifts and talents where, where I can, because I think the biggest thing that death will ever teach you is you only have one life. It is YOLO to its finest. And so I am here to live it and to, to see how I can also impact others. But like you said earlier, it's not everyone's job to turn their pain into some type of purpose. That's just me. That's how I've always been. My entire life is, this is what I do. So I wanted to bring that in into the grief. Well, I love all of this. I could talk to you all day, but it really is making me think. And maybe I'm just thinking about this because you come from the world of athletics, but yeah. I have kids who play sports because they love that those sports. They love the way it feels to play those sports soccer, mostly in this household, a little bit of touch football. My son is a goalie. Sometimes he gets scored on 11 times in one game. Cause he's mm-hmm. in that weird middle school where like, sometimes he's playing against yeah. grown men. Sometimes he's yeah. playing <laughs> look like preschoolers. I, I don't think he's going to play like for the European league soccer teams. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to play at an elite level. I don't have an expectation that he's going to go to college on a soccer scholarship. 
he's doing it to pass the time with pleasure. And sometimes he's doing it to pass the time with pleasure and try something new. Like when we travel and we travel quite a bit, other countries have all kinds of sports that he's never played before. And he, but that kid just wants to jump in and see what that's about. See if he can be good at it. I think about him. This is my middle guy. I think about him a lot because novelty is really worth worthwhile to him. And I think when we are in fresh grief, our brain is not in a position where it can seek novelty or believe that anything is going to be okay. But similar to when you go through a breakup and your friends are like, okay, well, you can stay in this Saturday night and you can stay in this Saturday night, but come on third Saturday night, we got to get you out there. Yeah. It is a little bit taking the risk to continue to live. And I love that the model that you have is offering that novelty, not to pretend there isn't grief. Correct. Because we'll talk about it there. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a modern grief theory by Strobe and Shoot, which is the dual process model, which basically says you do a little bit of of grieving and you do a little bit of life. You do them both. Mm -hmm. And it just feels to me like, God, you have really embodied that and you have figured that out. And that's what you're offering. And it feels really unique. So if people want to get in touch with you or learn more about what you're offering or ask if you can come and bring one of your retreats to their work, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? They can contact me straight through my website, which everything is hello. I'm grieving. So hello, I'm grieving. Hello, I'm grieving on Instagram. I'm hello. I'm grieving on Twitter. That was also another thing that spoke to me. I was like, nobody has any of these handles. It's perfect. It's gotta be right. So yeah, even personally, I, you can contact me personally. I have a personal hello. I'm grieving at (laughs) gmail.com. or just hello at hello, I'm grieving.com. This has been, I, I knew it was going to be a delightful conversation. That's a perverse thing to say. God, I just wow. love that conversation. You good, you good. All the death and the dyings of the things, but it is really validating. And I'm always really grateful for people and love to highlight and lift up work that people are doing, particularly when it's as unique as the work that you're doing. So I just wish you the best of luck. I would love to say any of, any of your community members, any of your followers, if you do come onto the Instagram, say hello. Cause every time somebody clicks and joins the community, I try to give a personal message. So I try to send a message and follow through and say hello to you. So I let people know I'm a real person. Wow. That's a high bar. That's I know it's, it's, I, I miss, I do miss some Ooh. people along the way. Cause I am a party of one right now, but I try to do my Good. best say hello to everyone and make That's it so well hello yeah. i'm grieving i love yeah. it thank yeah. you so much for this hour i'm really really grateful good luck with all your work and let's stay in touch thank you thank you okay so all right julie yeah. thanks take care bye-bye okay. bye